Hey, good evening, everybody. John Henry Soto here, along with George Batista. As always, welcome to Counterparts, where we spotlight conversations on creative minds, inspirational minds, and people that are doing stuff. George and I were just talking about that. We love people that are doing stuff. And today we have Barbara, and I'm gonna. Uh, me and George were, were practicing the pronunciation, and she's gonna correct us. But Di Pietro. Hopefully that is correct. We're going to ask her, but Barbara's going to be on today. She's going to be talking about uh, a lot of things having to do with homelessness and her work, her amazing work that she's been doing for over 25 years. And we're very excited to have her on here. So please come on back and stay tuned because it's going to be a fun one. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'm so transparent. I just say the pronunciation. I could have just said it and not said anything, right? But no. Yeah, of course. To, but you know, have, you're you. I have to. I'm me. I'm me. <laughs> uh, so, George, thank you yes, very sir. much uh, for being here, as always. And uh, we have a sponsor that we're going to take care of. So, please, take it away. Well, thank you for inviting me, John. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Yes, we're going to talk about sponsors. But before I, I get to that, I just want to congratulate you, John. You just had a film right uh -huh. that actually was nominated at a film festival did you just mention that for a second yes thank you i appreciate that yeah it was at the uh, uh nashville independent film festival and it's semi-finalist for a uh, uh, nice. original uh narrative short so i'm very excited so thank you i appreciate that dude absolutely well congratulations to you sir job thank well you. done on that all right thank you, thank you all right so as all of you know who watched this show, the Counterpart Show is brought to you by Wellness Resources, a family-owned and operated nutritional supplement company providing the highest quality clinically formulated supplements since 1985. Find out why Wellness Resources supplements are the top choice of guys like me and health-conscious individuals around the world. Make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com. And if you enter the promo code counterparts, you will get free shipping on all orders. So make sure you check it out. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about our guest. We're very excited to have Miss Barbara DiPietro here today. So a little bit about Barbara. She's been working uh, in healthcare and homeless policy for 25 years in both the public and nonprofit sector. She holds a master's degree in policy sciences and a PhD in public policy, both from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. For 10 years, she worked for the state of Maryland and the governor's office, as well as the Department of Health, helping coordinate health and human services policy and legislation, interagency children and family service, and the state's 10-year plan to end homelessness. For the last 13 years, she has been the Senior Director of Policy for the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. And in this role, she focuses on national uh, policies that advance the human rights to housing and healthcare and end homelessness. She is based at the Healthcare for the Homeless Program in Baltimore City. And we are very excited to have her on the show. It's going to be a great conversation. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Barbara DPHRO. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. You, you know, it's always it's always intimidating when there's someone that's very smart on the show. Oh like, my. Right. You know, let's <laughs> operate under no illusions there. Don't ask me to do a math problem. 
Yes, two trains leave a station, I immediately melt. Oh my god! I can't even help my daughter. I I can't help my daughter with her homework. So, (laughs) well, that's uh, that's comforting. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, So, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to join us. Uh, This is an honor to have you on here. Um, It's something that you know we, you know, I work with with the organization that you're with as well, the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. And um, it's it's always been um, it's an honor for me to actually to participate in in the meetings and to hear because it's a new space for me, you know. So I'm learning so much about what's happening in that and having different perspectives and hearing everything. You know, it's just really a, a great for, you know to to be on on that side of it now. So I'm very very uh, excited for our conversation. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Jorge uh, Batista, my 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 cousin, and he's going to start us off with a question, and then from there on we're just going to Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Okay. Absolutely. So, again, for those folks who who are are not familiar with you, I want to start out with how you got started in the industry. Let's tell us a little bit about your background and kind of go from there. Sure. Well, which industry? Uh, in healthcare or in homelessness? There's a lot of well, uh, best either or. <laughs> yeah. Well, both, I guess. Well, yeah. let's start with with healthcare because that that came first. But really. Yeah. Um, an accident, like a lot of people, you had no idea what you want to do in life and you tumble through until it all kind of starts to click. And some people know what they want to do from the day one. And I had no idea what I wanted to do still, even when I graduated college. Hmm. Um, but you find yourself taking jobs that you wouldn't have thought of. I ended up working in chemical weapons destruction for, for oh, wow. a contractor in the U.S. military wow. and found myself at the age of 24, you know, with a, a secret clearance and, 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 and working on, yeah, like when <laughs> you end up being an editor and nobody thinks about this kind of stuff in yeah. the industry that, you know, all the people with secret clearances are like, you know, the uppity up, but think about the word processors like me, the editors, the people who empty the trash can. They all have to have a secret clearance to be in these spaces sometimes. I never thought about that. Like yeah. Iron, Iron Man and his, and that whole, right. that whole thing that he does, you have to have clearance to get in there. You can't just walk in and yeah. no matter so where you are. That's so the interesting. kind of thing where, that you find yourself doing. And then you're like, wait, 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 hang on. This isn't what I wanted to do. And I always had this idea that I wanted to go into the Peace Corps. And oh, so man. I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop the ride. I want to get off. And so I ended up going into Peace Corps and doing maternal child health in, in, in Southeast Africa in the country of Malawi. And while I was there, I delivered babies and, and, and did immunizations and lived in a, in a little village with, with a family that, that taught me everything and stripped away um, my illusions of what privilege were, was. And I really saw with new eyes what poverty looked like and what uh, what real need was in the world. And this was really eye-opening for a, a white suburban girl like me from Hartford County. Uh, this was wholly new. And so, yeah, that's where you kind of just tumble into um, what you thought you wanted and it ended up being a whole lot more. Wow, that's amazing. You know, my, my wife was in the Peace Corps. She was in a, she was in Kyrgyzstan. Oh, okay, a very different experience from yeah. <laughs> East Africa. We taught English there and... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got some stories of that. Um, you do get a completely different perspective. And she tells me these stories and I'm like, holy cow. I mean, that is, we don't realize. I mean, we, I, I do, I get, I mean, 
I guess as you get older and you've been through, I've been through certain things myself. So you do kind of appreciate and you do understand certain, but there's another level of it that yes. you just cannot comprehend unless you're really there. Right. I mean, yeah, my family had struggles, but it's all in context in comparison to what? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so yeah, from there, it, it ends up being that you end up better understanding public health and social determinants of health and, and what poverty looks like and what are the structural influences to all of this. And my mind started working a lot more so that when I came back, I, I really purposely put myself on a path of uh, working in healthcare and, and human services. And you tumble into political service by accidentally applying for a job at the governor's office is like, an assistant wow. to the governor and weirdly without any political like work on his campaign i got the job and boom this is what sets you in another direction of politics and public service wow that's amazing and yeah. did, you, you just yeah yeah you're right because you don't realize it i mean I, I don't know if i really know what i want to do yet so I'm still kind of, <laughs> right I'm it's still a whole journey <laughs> i'm still searching but but i mean that's what life's all about right is it's about living and experiencing yeah. things and then running into things and be like, oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. And then going yeah. in that direction, you know, and you follow your 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 heart. Um, when when did you was that something that was um as at, at an early age? And let's let's go back. Let's go away. <laughs> let's go back. Well, at an early age, did you feel Am I gonna be telling you about my relationship with my mother? <laughs> yes, yes. You have a couch you can lay down on. <laughs> I have my pad ready. Let's talk. <laughs> so but is that something that that what was your experience, you know, when you were growing up? Did you have an, any type of a, a awareness that you wanted to go into that type of industry at some point or or even just the purpose to want to help? You know, I, looking back, no, I was not oriented to social justice uh, growing right. up. Um, through high school, though, um, it probably doesn't surprise you to know, John, I was a little bit of a geek in high school. And so I was on the debate team. <laughs> and so this is where you like really learn to, to, yeah. to um, educate about serious issues. And it's there that I was just like, wait a second, there's really some issues that are important. And so mm -hmm. but the idea of service or how you could really operationalize that as part of a career, I don't really think I knew about those kind of careers and advocacy and 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 service like that it it, yeah. it just wasn't something that kind of you know really struck you as as an area that you could grow into as a yeah. job yeah so it really was the the peace corps that really instilled that that yeah. understanding of the need that that you can the and, need and the possibility for change also right. like right. how is it that you can organize and affect change even in small ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's interesting in in i from uh, sorry, George. I know you have a question. I just <laughs> we do this a lot. I just start yeah. uh, rambling. Um, so I'm I lived in Bayonne, New Jersey, for about uh, nine years, and I worked with some of the the political figures there, and I worked on their campaigns and stuff. And in you know, you really you're right. You know, in small ways, it seems like in a big way, it's like you can't see big change because they're talking about oh, we're spending you know four hundred trillion dollars on this, and I'm like, what? Ah, what? But when you're when you really can be in there, you can actually see change. Like, okay, we need this park fixed because kids can get hurt. The thing, and then suddenly people gather, and then there's policies, and then people write things, and then money comes, and then the park gets fixed, and now we have a park. And those kinds of things are really exciting. Do you remember when 
you actually were in there for the first time and you saw an actual change on something that you contributed? Yeah, um, it was when I was in Peace Corps and um, uh, the rains would come and I worked at a, at a health clinic and, and so uh, there were no beds and women and their children would literally sleep in puddles and it was crazy. And then we wondered why malaria was so endemic. Right. Um, and so I wrote a grant and, and got some beds and we worked with, with a local welder and the welder built a bunch of beds and we were able to improve the conditions of this clinic. And it just seemed like such a very small thing, but yet very tangible to the 15 women living in that ward. Yeah. And probably some, some they probably had tears in their eyes when they saw an actual, an actual bed. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I, well, I hope they were able to rest better too. We were able to get all new mattresses and, and bedding. And that cool. actually ended up being from the Lions Club International. Wow. So, that's, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Incredible. A little plug for Lions Club International, by the yes. way. Yes. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> they, they gave a Peace Corps volunteer who literally was writing them a letter on, uh, if you'll uh, okay, are you guys old enough to remember? Um, yes, I'm sure I am. You know, and you would, oh, you yeah. would write a letter. Okay, yes, right. Yes, so just actually yes. mail letters where you would write out with carbon paper with, <laughs> with candles at night. Like this was what you did in Peace yeah. Corps. And, and yeah, wow. things that aren't in the brochure, but but there are charities out there that will actually work with you and you can see real tangible things at that at that level. Yeah, that's awesome. I always wonder if somebody who 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 goes who you know, goes to Peace Corps and you know has who does stuff like that. How did, is your was your family supportive of it? Did they were they you know did they did they think you were crazy or did they think it was amazing? You know how, how what kind of support did you have? Uh, it's funny. My father did not understand why I was quitting a perfectly good paying job to earn nothing by going wow. overseas to mm. work in a country that he had never heard of before. So right, right. less. And he was just so excited that his daughter, who had gotten an English degree, which he did not think was a very good idea, uh, was actually gainfully employed. So he did not understand this was a very logical step for me. My mother, though, had done um, a volunteer project with the Catholic Church when she was a young nurse. And actually, she really kind of credited herself as being the, the one who instilled that desire in me. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, that That is like so important, though, because, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about like, if I told my grandma, my grandparents raised me, I tell my, I think my grandmother would flip out. Wait, you're doing what? You know, right. what, got, why? what are you doing? Yeah. She got mad when I moved to New York with roommates. She thought, <laughs> so, so I was, you know, I was like, do you have a question, George? Or, okay, no, okay. Yeah, yeah. Can I go on? <laughs> go, go on. But I, no, but, it, but it's true though. If you think about it, like you, you, you think about that, because we're taught, you know, okay, you got to get the job, you got to get the degree, you got to get this, and then all of a sudden yeah. you do that, and I'm, I know my mother would be would have been like, yeah, what? <laughs> she would have been flipping out. But I think it's also purpose, you know. Like I remember when I moved to New York to, and by New York I mean Manhattan. I lived in the Bronx, still New York, but Manhattan was like another country. Um, and when I moved there, I remember it was purpose, you know, it was something that I was really passionate about. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be where the music was. I wanted to be where there was things happening. And it was just something that I knew was the right thing to do. You know, right. I knew that I, that I was going to go from a home where I didn't have to pay a lot of money because I was living at home to mm -hmm. where I had to work, you know, sometimes three jobs at times, you know, to just, exactly. just to pay uh, the rent. So um, the purpose is really a huge thing. And I want to touch upon that a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's so much. 
you know, there, there's a balance. I wouldn't even call it a balance. It's somewhat like a divide. When you look at uh, what's happening on the news and what's happening in certain, and then you, I'm on social media, so I, I'm working on social media platforms. Then I go to TikTok and everybody's just dancing. It's like, I'm like, don't you know what's going on? And it's like, and they have like 10 million followers and they, they're not really doing, and, and I'm, and, I, and it just boggles my mind on purpose. Like, what can you talk a little bit about that just from your experience on dealing with so many people in policy on purpose and how it changes from individuals and what do you gravitate towards so yeah interesting to ask about purpose this idea of how are people driven in their work and where do they find passion right. and it's very interesting where one person's passion is is not necessarily the others and so right. you know you you find yourself um, gravitating toward people who share the same passion as you or, or who are in passion-driven work. And I think it does tend to um, certainly gives you the fortitude during difficult um, times like I, I feel like we're in now. Um, and I think when you talk about TikTok and you talk about like this idea of like all these people are like living their lives and having a wonderful time when there's a peril going on and Hey everybody, do you, do you do you see do you see what's going on here? Yeah, right. But yet human beings have an immense capacity to be able to separate themselves out from either there's a level of denial or let's be let's face it, even people who are working on the front lines of social justice every day, we know how to party and 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 let go. Right. So, you know, how is it that you're balancing and 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 finding the idea of like every individual will find their own calibration and how much passion they can work in without needing to have that balance of uh, fun and frivolity. It's right. hard doing homeless healthcare work. And right. uh, you've got you to be able to bring it up and, and toss it off because otherwise, yeah, it, it tends to bring it down. It, it can eat at you after a while. It, yeah, it can. Yeah. Um, and also the purpose has to be, you have to be able to do that and make that split and kind of separate yourself because then your purpose gets more defined. Mm. If it becomes this one thing, you're, you, you become that thing. And then you're just, you're kind of like not, not knowing where you're going. But if you really are able to kind of like, like you said, you got a party, I'm gonna, but now it's time to work. Then the purpose becomes more and more clearer. And you're like, okay, now I'm at work. And it's sort of like when we, when at our events, our conferences, and, and you know, it's like, you see everyone like really driven, but everybody's having fun. You know, I see the email, you know, where we're going back and forth. It's you have to make you have to have that in there or else you can really lose it. Well, I think really the central question is, how is it that we find joy in the struggle for justice? Uh -huh. And so, you know, and so what you described, like at our conferences, finding connection, like right. isn't that purpose? So whether that's connection in your friends while you're hiking or whether that's connection in the work that you're doing during the day, um, it's right. how is it? And so we're certain we got we got philosophical really fast. But if we talk about yeah. like we do, this, we do that here. <laughs> we do that. Right. So, yeah. so like when we talk about finding purpose, what if purpose in, in, is our human connection to each other, whether that's in the in, in the work or in the joy or in both? Uh, right. I think that's that's the secret to finding the sweet spot. Yeah, that's actually um, I wouldn't say a trick, but that is where you want to actually find. That's what that's the uh, the goal to get yeah. to. Awesome. But it's interesting, though, because sometimes because if like, for example, take the last two and a half, three years that we've been through. Right. Probably more people now are finding purpose mm. because of what we've went through. 
than prior, right? Sometimes it mm-hmm. takes the things that happen in life or, you know, in society to say, you know what, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. The, you know, and, and yeah. life is fragile. Life is brief. We should, I got to get to what I'm, so I think even, I mean, even for John and I, we started this show during the pandemic because we were like, you know what, what are we doing? Let's, let's do something together. So yeah. some part of that also comes from this, this thing. Like I, like I say, and unfortunately, like I'm in healthcare as well, uh, especially, especially as a health coach. And I see people who come to me only when they've had a diagnosis of something. Mm-hmm. Right. But meanwhile, before that, they, you, they would never touch me. You know, they, would, they right. wouldn't call me at all. But as soon as they something happens, then they call me. So a lot of people sometimes get driven out of that, right? Yeah, I think we've had a lot of people on the show so that get, cha- you know, we're, we're challenged. And even not just during the, the last two years, but in their lives, there was a moment where something happened. Right. Where they hit something and they just yes. decide, whoa, what am I, what's happening here? You know, I've had like at least three or four of those in my life, you know, where, you're like, man, you had to wake up because you get into this workaday world and, you know, you're just getting up, you're going to work. You know, the next thing yep. you know, you're like, well, two years just went by and I'm miserable. What, what, what's going on? Yeah, you know, being forced that, to reevaluate. Yeah. Yes, exactly. an opportunity for something, exactly. for something new. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, we do a, a get a philosophical here. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, we love doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's deep. So I, I wanted to ask you, um, it's very difficult to to talk about these subjects without getting into the pop political world of it, which we don't do on the show, but it's very difficult not to, you know, at some point. Um, is there something that you feel is not covered enough on both sides of the spectrum, like something that you think in, in the uh, the healthcare and the uh, in the homelessness space? Is there something that you like? Nobody talks about this. Um. One thing in the idea of what, let's just say the left and the right. Um, So the right doesn't talk honestly enough about how our healthcare system is financed and and the pitfalls of how we do it right now, the wastefulness that they say that they're so against and all of the, you know, cognitive dissonance and and even, you know, I'm gonna just say hypocrisy on that side. At the same time, I think that the left is also not honest with all of the ways that our healthcare system would need to change um, in order for that to happen. Um, and uh, is not honest enough with some of the struggles that a new system would inherently bring. And mm. so at the same time, there is no having a discussion anymore that feels constructive and, and, and based on reasoned, reasoned thought. And yeah. so we kind of retreated to these, these, these polar sides that I think obviously end up being tedious for everyone and not constructive to moving us forward. Right. I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, have you ever thought of running for a, for, a, for, for office? <laughs> um, only when my husband and I joke around because DePietro is actually a, an old um, school political name in Baltimore city. And so oh. we've often mm. joked that either one of us could run for office and right. just the name alone recognition. But I have to say, um, one of the key reasons I would, would not be interested in running for office, one is uh, I'm far too opinionated. And when, you, when you're when you a political figure, you really kind of have to do that kind yeah. of yes. you know, little yes. dance. And yes. I just think I wouldn't have the patience for that. Right. So I would last like two minutes and then I would say something and then, you know, so then it wouldn't work. Right. Um, but you know what? The campaign <laughs> fundraising is enough to make the whole job miserable. 
And yeah. this is one of the things too in our in our system that that would need to change, in my opinion, is there's holding office and representing your people, and then there's the money, the money fundraising part of it. Yeah. And sometimes you're good at representing people and terrible at fundraising. Yeah. And then that means you're not getting reelected. Sometimes it means you're really great at fundraising and terrible at representing your people. And right. those folks get reelected. Right. So yeah. that's part of the problem, too, is how we finance our, 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 our public systems of voting. Yeah. Maybe education, you know, like, um, you know, I don't know if it's really taught enough to in, in high school to to you know just how the political system works so they can get those skills of fundraising and and being able to operate as a as a as a figure you know somebody that for the people but yeah we and and what you think about like a civics you know probably what right. they called it when we were going through they used to call it yeah so much of that but but when you think about this what is the conversation around what our children are learning in school right now in this country Right. Yeah. It's so another, like that's a that's a whole, whole you know, thing. of its own. <laughs> and so when you but yes, to your point about how do we teach about how government works? Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I learned uh, when I was working for the Maryland governor is um, uh, one of the things you learn is that when you're one of the special assistants, um, you're the one who does a lot of the constituent calls. So when people call in all pissed off about something, I want to talk to the governor, they get routed to people like me. Oh, and so I'd be like, you know, hello, well, you know, you know, <laughs> Governor Glenn Denning's office, can I help right. you kind of thing? And people didn't understand what the governor even did. So they would call us with their Medicare issues, for example. Hmm. And you would try to explain to them, oh, let me connect you to the federal office that handles this. No, I want to talk to the governor. And when you try to explain to them what the governor can control and can't control. Right. And over and over and over, and this is just like one, you know, hotline into the governor's office. But wow. when you don't know how the system works, you can very easily be led to believe anything. Right. So education is always a, a really, really key factor. It really is. Really and, or, and not even politics, but just right. structurally. The structure. Yeah. How yeah. things work. How the, the... How, how does government work? Right. right. Executive branch, legislative branch. Right. Remember, um, how a bill becomes a law. And yeah, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> watching that as a kid and, and, you know, remembering that. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because I'm, I, you know, my, my daughter was learning. She's 15 and she's learning all that stuff in her in her in school and stuff like that. And I, I was watching her do her homework and all that type of stuff. But. But then you, you, know, you think about it, like when I learned that in school, okay, fine, I went through and I learned that. But then one of the things that you get swallowed up in is media. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, every, people get swallowed up in media and all of a sudden that kind of goes out the window and it's everything that media says that the government is right. or whatever, the, the right or the left. And all of a sudden that, you know, and, and then that is more of an influence on your voting decisions and right. your decisions in general than what you learned in school. Right. Yep. It's, it's it's a little bit crazy. But even that schoolhouse rock song was just how a bill gets right. Comes a law. How that's right. it. There yeah, was that's nothing it. Yeah. in it. There was nothing in it leaning in any way. It was just how right. a bill gets a law. Maybe we should make another song and like yeah. what comes next. <laughs> exactly. It should be a long. <laughs> I'll get my guitar. Hold on. <laughs> you should write it. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I, you know, I, it's 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 sad too. You know, because I, I know that there's a lot of young minds out there that would actually 
really eat this up like and really understand it and duplicate it and be able to go out and really make an impact rather than being you know directed or kind of maneuvered into a, an, an area so that's always yeah. a, a, mm -hmm. a um something that's kind of annoying um but if you if you do decide you ever want to run for office i did social media for uh one of for three, <laughs> three different campaigns all all one i'm three you know so <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> it's hard being an elected. It's hard being no, an office. I don't I'm, envy people who don't no, have any privacy. Oh my goodness! Even just look at what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. I mean, right, it's just, right. I mean, it's a crazy world out there now. It's crazy. I was in off, you know, in offices and with in meetings and listening to what was going on, and and I would be there for the actual conversation, and then you go out, and then. There's something else being put out there. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, I was there. That's not yeah. what happened. You know, and that was part of the uh, the the reason why I, I was actually a, a, an elected committee member, actually, for a, for a term. And I left because I thought, you know, I, I have a family and I didn't want my name got brought into something really ugly at one point. It was posted and it was like a complete lie. It was it was really over the top crazy. And I thought, wow, I said, this is, this is what it is. You know, I mean, this is part of the, the game, unfortunately, you know. And so I just decided to, to bow out. But um, all right, it's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> get, don't get me started. Um, so I'm, I'm, good I, staff. I'm good to be staff to elected officials. That's right. what I'm yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah, I did, I did that. I did the uh, social media. Right. I was behind the camera. I was like, you know, so that was, that was totally doable. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your current position now. Um, what's one of the biggest challenges that you run into? Oh, wow. Uh, lack of hours in the day to tackle everything that needs to be done. Wow. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. that probably is not a unique problem. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, I think probably. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you when you're when that's the actual problem, <laughs> healthcare, you know, homelessness, it's it's a big, big, big task. You know, um, do you what what keeps you up at night? Like you're like, oh, I have to get like this is the one thing that I know I have to get done. Oh, that task oriented things that don't keep me up at night. Um, what keeps me up at night is worrying about the policy direction of the country. Policy direction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. Wow. That keeps me up. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen, I mean, I, I grew up in the Bronx and um, I remember what was happening there. I did experience homelessness for as a teenager. So I had that, you know, understanding. Um, policies just seem to be more helpful. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if that makes sense, uh, but I just remember, and I'm not going to talk about specific times because they're still kind of difficult to talk about, but there were times that I remember someone there helping, you know, in that there was a program and I went and my parent, my, my mom went and my brother and sisters, and we went and we got the actual help we needed that day. And we were able to go back home and be able to eat and be able to, and it was a, and it was a quick thing. Now, now I'm not saying that, that that's gone. I don't know if that's gone. I've been out of, you know, I left there when I was 21, 22 years old and I haven't really gone back into that world. But talk a little bit about policy. Talk a little bit about about how that's structured for you and how do you what what are those challenges? Like what are we looking at right now? Because 
it looks i mean if you, if you turn on the news well you know you might as well just crash into the sun because that's yeah. you know but what are you being there on the ground seeing it you know what what are those you know talk to us a little bit about that sure i think one of the biggest things is the battle over health insurance um, and so Medicaid is really the biggest um, health insurance program that we care about uh, because it, it covers the folks who are poor. And, um, but you've got very different views about the future of this program, whether you're in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And so right now, as we're battling over these, the midterm election and control of the Senate and control of the House and all of that, even though you've got a Democratic president, uh, when you have Republican control of either of those houses, and you change from a Democratic um, leadership to a Republican one, there's a lot of things that will change along with that because they're going to bring in a different agenda. Right. One of those agendas is to is to fundamentally change Medicaid. And for the people that we serve, uh, people in the healthcare for the homeless community, uh, that's not going to be in their best interest. So that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to um, advocate against and really build support for Medicaid because fundamental changes um, to that program would really be catastrophic for folks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Are you, are there, is there any specific things that you're looking at as far as changes in that, in that direction or? Yeah. So right now, um, Medicaid is what's called an entitlement program, much like right. Medicare or social security or food stamps, something like that. Yeah. And, um, so, and then every state gets a certain percentage of money from the federal government. And then there's a certain percentage of money from the state government and that's makes it whole. Right. Um, some states pay more than others, depending on whether they're wealthier or, or not. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, you've got money comes in. You've got so many people who are in your program. You get money for that. those number of people in your program. The policy direction that's most um, concerning is turning that into a block grant, which means that states will get a check at the beginning of the year that says, well, this is how much money we're going to give you for your Medicaid program. You live within that. Now you think about your own household and you think if someone writes you a check on January 1st for right. your projected costs for the year, who knows what could happen? Yeah, so absolutely. this is the kind of thing where that would really put states in a bind. And then as a consequence, they wouldn't be able to have enough money to cover as many people. And we all know what happens. That means you got to cut all the rolls. And that means you got a lot more people who are uninsured. And that's why changing it to a block grant fundamentally uh, unstructures the financing to it. Mm -hmm. And then of course you might remember um, back in the last administration work requirements. So mm -hmm. the idea that we, yeah. that we condition your health insurance and essentially your health care on having a job. But right. we know that when you're too sick to work, it's hard. So you see how yeah, and so like that a... undermines the program. And so these are the two big things that we're really worried about. Uh, sh should, should there be a change in leadership in either the house or the Senate? So like I said earlier, I remember having help and being, you know, the Medicaid and, and getting that, that assistance. But there was also another thing that I remember getting also, and that was sort of counseling. Mm. There were people that actually cared. There was this legal aid woman, and I'll never mm -hmm. forget her, but she was, she helped us. She saved our apartment. She, um, she told us where to go for food. She... She also directed me to a school that I can go to, you know, because I was out of, out of out of school. I wanted to go back and get my my equivalency and go back into school. She gave me that information. She gave me a packet. I remember it was like and I had all this stuff and it actually was really helpful. You know, I, I did go back to school. I went to college and I 
I got, you know, I did, I did that route because the, she took the time. And I don't know if those positions are there now because I was only 15 years old. You know, I mean, I was a high school dropout and, you know, my, my brother and sisters were younger than me. And because of the, how challenged my mother was, she couldn't really handle things at the time. Um, this was a huge load off her mind that I took it and I decided to run with it. And I applied for my Pell Grant and I applied for, and she helped me because, you know, I didn't know what, what's my social security number. I have no idea, you know, so she helped me with all that. And it really was a, a help. But this woman was, you know, there's a dramatic story that at some point I'll tell in, in, in somewhere, but there's a whole dramatic story about it. And when she helped me, I remember always thinking, I'm so glad that this is there because mm -hmm. the help has to be there for young people to be able to grow up and be able to take responsibility at some point and say, okay, I can do something. I can be something, you know, the, here's my opportunity. You know, do you see that? within these programs, is that still something that you see happening? Legal aid is still certainly a program, um, but like most social safety net kinds of programs, it's woefully underfunded. And yeah. so you've got, you know, and, and, and also very locally um, um, driven. So particularly mm -hmm. when you talk about school resources, all of that's predicated on a lot of local school funding, local school mm -hmm. resources. So your question about like, you know, whether school counselors still exist. Yeah, but when you look at how they're distributed and who gets access to school counselors, you get the counselors, you know, at, at, at schools here in Baltimore City, they might have like a caseload of 500 kids. And you go up to the county and you've got, you know, really nice school systems, you might have one counselor for every 10. So, you know, a lot of this is just dependent on where do we put our resources and who benefits from those resources. And we all know the answer to that. It's really not fair <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah, yeah. let me write that down because I write that down. Is that i'm gonna make sure that i write my next uh, article <laughs> it, it really it really it really is frustrating though because um well anyway it's frustrating george do you yeah, have a <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. And, I, and uh, we we had Bobby Watts on this show and we had you know a great conversation with him. And um, one of the things I, I, I mentioned to him and I want to kind of mention to you as well, we're talking about homelessness in general, just, you know, just kind of going back and forth on. And one of the things I had mentioned to him was that um, I had done some research. Well, first of all, I I thought about this after I went to L.A., Okay, I, I went to LA for the first time and really saw what was going on there. Oh, it's quite and that shocking, was a lot. It? Yeah, it was it shocked me. And my wife as well. We were we came back like wow. We you know, and then I started kind of really doing some deep thinking. And this was way before I, we were even gonna do this show or anything like that. It was just, you know, I started doing some research and one of the things that you know we talked about was uh getting help for you know substance abuse and and you know. Th that type of thing and there's this there was this whole notion there was kind of a back and forth when i was watching especially documentaries talking about should we give help should we help folks with uh substance abuse problems before we provide uh shelter or should we uh. provide the shelter first uh. before that so i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that sure um i would say that the goal is not shelter the goal is housing and Correct. so right. 
Um, and so when we, we talk about housing, really, it's the cost of housing that drives homelessness. It, it's not addiction. Uh, mm -hmm. Plenty of people with substance use are housed uh, with right. mental health as well. It, like those aren't the issues. The issue is not being able to afford rent. So mm -hmm. the issue is the difference between what people earn and what rent costs. And what you're looking at in LA and in California, you know, it costs half a million dollars to build one unit of housing. And that's like at the, at the, at the minimum level, really half right. a million dollars just for one, one unit. So right. when I see, you know, they pass these, these tax measures, oh, we're going to set, you know, three and a half, you know, billion aside to build housing. I think, well, at half a million dollars a clip, that's not going to take you very far. Yeah, and right, right, so right. when you when you make the cost of housing so so ludicrously unattainable, of course you're going to have people who were lined down every street. It's yeah. a shocking violation of human rights. Yeah, and absolutely. We allow this. These are all these are all conscious public policy decisions. We choose homelessness in this country. I mean, it's not an accident. Well, when you when you look at the the you know the first two states, California, and New York, right? There's number one and number two in homelessness, and they're two of the most expensive places to live. Yeah. You know, and New York, just looking at numbers recently, New York has the highest rate right now since the Depression, mm -hmm. since the Great Depression, has the highest rate of, of homelessness, New York City. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And when you look at where most funding for housing comes from, it's the federal government. Right. And what have we right. had over the past several years? We've mm -hmm. had um, an administration that did a lot of cuts and then a Congress where we haven't been able to get any increases through. Uh, if you'll remember um, the Build Back Better um, package that the administration right, right. was, that had $150 billion of housing in it. That would have been one of the single largest investments in housing that we could have mm -hmm. really built a lot of, of, of units with that. But mm -hmm. it never made it in because we yeah. can't afford it. And so, um, so we have nothing. And so what we continue to do is we have rents that continue to go up. We have wages that are rising for some folks modestly, mm -hmm. but for right. a lot of folks have been stagnant. Right. And so again, it's the difference between what people earn and what rent costs. And we're not funding any of that in the middle. So that's why we've got home. So this is where, you know, when we talk about addiction being the issue, that's a red herring. And yeah. that takes our yeah. eyes off of what really needs to happen. It's, it's in housing. It's not, now, obviously we need to be changing access to, to treatment you know, sure. only only one person who has a substance use um, disorder is in treatment and nine mm -hmm. people are not. And that's right. largely because we've made it really hard to get treatment and we've stigmatized the hell out of it. So, right. you know, God forbid you would want to, um, but not really be able to because your family disapproved or what have you. Wow. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so not not to discard, not to disregard those issues, but really to bring the focus back to the cost of housing. Housing. Yeah. And. You know, being from New York, you know, I remember I we had a I just got lucky and got into an apartment that was a rent stabilized apartment. Oh, nice. there yeah. You go. And it was in a uh, it was in a fancy doorman building, actually. Oh, um, Tina, Tina Fey lived there, by the way. Very fancy. Yeah, it was. And um, Moving but, on up. one day, one day, but there was a piece of paper on the in the hallway and I picked it up and it just happened to be a, an opened rent thing. I knew somebody, one of the, the apartments there, it was $12,000 a month, what they were paying in the building that I was living in. Now this was back I'm 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 
No, actually, twenty years ago because I wasn't even married. So twenty years ago, um, twelve thousand. And I and I just remember thinking, what could those possibly be today? Well, I know what yeah. they are because I'm a real estate agent in New Jersey, and um, right. when I was selling, I was renting apartments for six thousand dollars a month, two bedroom apartments. It's just obscene. Yeah. And I don't the audacity that anybody would charge that, and and not even that, but the audacity that somebody would even pay it. I'm more upset right. with the ones that pay it than the ones that, because if they're if they built it and they would come, okay, fine. But why would somebody pay that? You know, and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better, despite things not improving financially for individuals, and that seems to be the, the really frightening thing. And this is why you know I tell my wife, you know, we got to put some money side, got to get a, you got to get a piece of land. You got to maybe build a little shack <laughs> just because I want to, I want to just, I feel insecure right. overall that, and I have been homeless. So I guess I have that thing, you know, and, uh, and I've told my wife, I said, listen, if I have to grab that guitar and sit in the corner and play for 12 hours a day, I will do it just to avoid not having my, you know, my, my kids uh, not have a home, you know, I would do it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the education that we're, um, you know, because we, in part of the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council is part also education, right? Mm -hmm. And that education in building, um, in what you were just saying, how can we better educate individuals on what's currently happening? Because it doesn't, like our show, right? You've said about 10 things today, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like, why isn't this on the news? Right. You know, like right. every day, you know, why are we listening to, to whatever's happening on the news? Um, how can we better educate as as a council? As a council? Well, just as as those that are in the know. I see. I think a lot of this is really making connections to the issues that, that your friends and family are probably already addressing. Like, Struggling for rent is, is hardly a, a unique um, feeling to a lot of folks. Right. And so it's this idea of, um, I think, how is it that we see commonality in the struggles that we have? There's a lot of people who are struggling to afford health care, and, and, and not all of them are poor. Um, mm -hmm. right. There's a lot of folks who are worried about making mortgage next month. Um, they understand, they, they should understand struggle, even though they're not a renter. And so this idea of, you know, being being unstable, feeling precarious, not knowing what's going to happen next. These are hardly unique feelings across lots of different groups in this country. Right. And I think one of the things I would love, we talked about this idea of purpose and connection to others earlier. Right. And one of the things that I really think can help us move through this the kind of the, the, the sea of noise is really having authentic connections to other people and just right. say, I see your struggle and your struggle is also my struggle. And I think too, and, and I think to put a finer point on it as well is, and if I have caused some of your struggle, then how is it that I can, how I can take responsibility for that? Mm. And so, you know, having these conversations, um, and I think particularly as a white woman um, in a space where we need to be anti-racist, it's not enough to just, you know, say, oh, I'm, I'm a decent person. You've got to be working toward ownership and responsibility. So I just think having more honest conversations where we're reaching people where they're really having authentic feeling and then connecting our struggles so that we see, hey, we are all wanting the same thing for ourselves and our family. And how do we transcend that? So 
I'm sorry if I went like too philosophical on you. No, I, we, we, we love this. this is, <laughs> yes, we, we get in there. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, when you think about like, how do we educate ourselves? I think we educate ourselves by paying attention and listening to each other. Yes. And then connecting. How is it? What is it that we want? And how do we move forward in a collective way um, that doesn't feel adversarial where, you know, there's this idea of just your your loss has to be my gain or my gain has to be your loss. Right. And how is it that we kind of change how we relate? Oh, I'm terribly I'm terribly philosophical. This is what happens when you get yeah. me close to it. I no, this is uh this is awesome. This is uh what we love. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's always gonna be connecting with people. I mean, that is why we're on this planet, you know, and we talked about purpose a lot on this episode, which I think is is really great because you know, George and I talk about this also, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when I when I you know, take that last breath. I want to be able to say, okay, I, my life meant something. There was a, a meaning to it. I left things better than when I arrived. You know, I, I created the campsite something. rule to life. Right. You know, and I just think that that to me is really, if we could instill that, you know, into the conversations that we have, like you said, you know, and really get in there and really know what their, what that struggle is. And, you know, we can't always just know exactly what everyone is going through. We're all individuals, but we can definitely dive in and, and get as much as we possibly can to really make a, a, a well-formed idea of something that we want to contribute to, uh, uh, you know, some, some type of platform that we could uh, really contribute to. And I think that for the most part, people want to help, you know, mm -hmm. you see people that want to help, but yeah. are they helping? And do they know mm -hmm. how to help? You know, and I think that's also something that falls under education. It's like, well, you want to help? Go vote. You want to help? Oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a soup kitchen uh, every Sunday that needs right. people. They're, they're right. you know, right. you want to help? Do that. You know what I mean? Those kinds of things. And and maybe even have a list on a website. Want to help? Want to help.com, you know, and people just go to this and they could just click off things and it'll go here. This is your location. We need somebody here. And, and I think that provide that connection that you're talking about because that is really the only way we're going to come out of this it's us helping right. each other you know helping yeah. others wow that's, that's and i think being engaged to say to speak truth to power too because i think a lot of this is about people claiming power that they right. have not previously claimed and i don't mm -hmm. mean just like voting you know yeah. we're right. coming up in the midterm election you know what about a third of, of eligible voters generally vote in a midterm um, you know, I mean, the world is run by people who show up and people right. who yeah. show up to the polls specifically. Yep. So it's yep. the kind of thing where, you know, this engagement in your community and not stopping just with voting, but how are you participating in interaction with your elected officials? Do you yeah, write right. to them? Do you even like know their names? Right. Uh, the exactly. people who decide what your life is, you should know who they are. Right. You and so, hey, everybody, there's a, an election coming up next week, if you yeah. haven't heard. And exactly. uh, yeah, and a lot of states offer same day uh, registration so right. uh, and voting. So uh, check your rules, but please turn out because there's a lot of things that really impact people, people's lives. Yeah. Um, and, study not, and not just federal, but lots of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And study the issues. Yes. Going in there. Yes. You know, it's like study. Yeah. The, the candidates, you know, I mean, I learned that when I was in Bayonne because I was like, oh, yeah, this person is for this, but wait a minute, right. that person is not for, wait a minute, hold right. on.
they're on the right. same ticket, but they got two different. Hold on one second. You know, it's like, and you get, you educate yourself and then you can make a really uh, a good call for the you sake know, of your family in the future. People will put more thought into what Netflix um, film that they, that they picked. That exactly. Night. Exactly. They their, their Congress, the congressional representative right. or their, or their school board lead or somebody like yeah. that. Like, Hey, these are folks who are making decisions for you. They're going to have a long impact. You should know who they are and read, yeah. read, RTFM, read, read the, read the FM manual. Right. Uh, this is how our system works. <laughs> you got to know the rules, otherwise the system's going to play you. Like people right. aren't wrong when they're frustrated, and and they aren't wrong when they think that the system is like rigged against them. They're not wrong. Right. It's just that if you read the manual, you'll know how to fix it. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You just have awesome. a better idea of how to approach, how to right. approach it instead of exactly. being blind you'll have a no or manipulated by others and george you talked about the role of the media um yes. coming out yep and so exactly. how is it that you have a better better nose for um what's really going on right mm-hmm. what's going on exactly <laughs> um so, <laughs> this has been it's 52 minutes george that we've wow been, <laughs> it's like this show just flies by it's amazing what just happened holy cow this has been really amazing barbara thank you so much for taking the time um before we we uh we go i want to one of the things that we always uh, ask our guests is at the end we always again the last two years have been very challenging for for a lot of people um do you have any words of i won't say advice but just some words of encouragement to our audience anyone out there that's going through something that how they can actually take charge of their life if they're stuck purpose purpose, purpose right purpose, purpose. Yeah. The theme. Oh. All I would say is that everyone in this community matters. And if you're out there and you're feeling alone or you're feeling like you don't know where to turn, you have got an army of people who love you and want to support and help you. And how can you just reach out and engage in your community? Um, connect with people. We've talked a lot about connection tonight. Yes. And we've talked a lot about you know really having authentic interactions with other people. And so how is it that we're doing that at the individual level? And how is it that we're voting and getting engaged at the, at the community level and really starting to see more macro level changes, as well as living our own purpose for our own individual change? So I'm just seeing this kind of individual action as well as community movement uh, that I think we can engage in together. And I think moving through this with humility and love, I think is really going to help us be stronger in the end. Love it. Awesome. What can I add to that? Yeah, no. Wow. <laughs> Barbara, thank you so much for your time. This has been such an honor. Please, uh, we're we're at the end of our season this year, but we'd love to have you back again. And love to uh, come back. George, John, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun discussion tonight. Thank well, you so much. Pleasure. pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. Wow. Well, you see, I mean, we educate. We have fun. We educate, and you know, it's just but that last piece. That last that, piece, that was you know, connection. I mean, that was just the thing to me. You know that, and that's really, you know, whenever you talk to anybody, you can talk about people getting angry. They're all there, this and they're that. But if you don't know the policies, if you have not, if you right. haven't taken the time to really understand the issues, if you exactly. haven't taken that time to really connect with those individuals, like yes. you said. You know, it's like, what what are you doing? You know, that's really what it is. It's really us connecting as as humans and having that purpose, Correct. helping each other, 
you know, with love and humility. Humility. It's beautiful. I love it. Beautiful. Ooh, all right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, George, for uh, showing up. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> well, thank you all for uh, for tuning in. This has been really a great one. We're really excited uh, to have Barbara on here. So we'll see you all again next week, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For counterparts, George Batista, I'm John Henry Soto. We'll see you. And as always, peace. peace.